We actually began the book of Galatians on August 18th, and it is now November. So time is flying, and uh, for me, sometimes as I'm going somewhere, I kind of forget where I'm going. Uh, the worst time was uh, we were driving home from visiting family in North Carolina, and uh, Katie and I, we were driving along, and we're on 81, we're headed north, and that's good because we were down south, so if you want to go home, you should go north. And, you know, we just stayed on Route 81 and started heading back to our old house in Syracuse, where we did not live anymore. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but we had, we had a nice extra couple hours to talk then, so that was nice, I guess. Um, but the same thing, right, maybe has happened to us as we've been studying Galatians. Uh, we, we may have kind of forgotten a little bit about where we started from and where we're going, why this book, uh, why was this written, right? I mean, it's in the Bible, maybe it's important, what's going on there? So let's, uh, let's take a few minutes and let's just kind of remember uh, what's been going on. So, first of all, uh, a man wrote this book, his name was Paul, and it's a letter. Uh, and he's writing it to a whole group of, of people. So, kind of like writing it to maybe all the churches in uh, Monroe County, right? So he's writing it to a bunch of people, and Paul was there not too long ago. About a year ago, Paul was, uh, he was there in Galatia. And he actually, he, he told them the good news of Jesus, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come, he has died, and he has risen again, and uh, you can have life in his name. And uh, some people, they believed this message, right? Uh, and some other people, they rejected it. And uh, some of the people that rejected it, they actually chased down Paul to the next city, and they threw rocks at him until they thought he was dead, right? And they, they were pretty convinced he was dead, because they literally dragged his body out of the city, right, and left him there. They thought, this is, took care of that problem, right? Uh, well, Paul was not dead, uh, and Paul has quite literally invested right, his own blood into sharing the good news of Jesus with the people in Galatia. Uh, and so now you can imagine, a year later, Paul begins to hear things, right? Uh, it wasn't like now, right, where you might like see it on Twitter or Facebook or something, but uh, he starts to hear from people that have been traveling and things. Uh, the Galatians are starting to do some strange things, Paul. The Galatians are starting to mess up. And so Paul writes a letter to them to correct them, to explain to them, look, what you are doing is not good, and here's what we need to do instead. Uh, so what were the Galatians doing? What, what, what was going on there? So uh, your first feeling today is that the Galatians have started to add things. They were adding things to the gospel. So your first feeling is added. They were adding things to the gospel. Uh, well, you might say, hey, like, it's not that big of a deal, right? Just, just adding a little bit, changing something a little bit, making it maybe a little bit better for the people in your area or something. So Paul spends uh, the first four chapters, so today we'll be in chapter five. Paul spends the first four chapters of the book of Galatians explaining to the Galatians two big reasons why adding things to the gospel is not okay. And so the first thing that he explains to him, he says this, he says, look, uh, if this was just a human message, 
right? Like, if it was just like some ideas I had thought of, uh, and then like, you know, I told it to Gilo, and Gilo wanted to go and change it, it's really not that big of a deal, right? It's just someone's ideas. But Paul argues, right? He tries to prove a point here. He's trying to say that, no, no, you don't understand. This is not a human message. This is a message from God. Right? So the gospel is not just a human message, it is a message from God. So your next villain is Paul takes time to explain that the gospel is definitely a message from God. I'm not gonna we're not gonna kind of go into details on that today, uh, but just so we remember, like, okay, this is what this letter is about. And then Paul goes on to explain, he says, look, what they were adding. To the gospel, what they were adding to the good news that Jesus Christ has come, he has died for you, he has risen again, and you can have life because of him, uh, they were adding something that we might call good works. They were adding some good works. Uh, and Paul spends time, this one's a little tricky, because you might say, well, what's wrong with being good, right? Why would Paul not want people to be good? That seems kind of silly. Uh, but what was happening is they were saying, you know, Jesus Christ, he came, and yes, he can save you, but you need to do some things too. You need to add to it. And there's lots of reasons, Paul says, that this creates problems. One is begin to judge others. So, uh, I'll stop picking on Gila and they sit right in front of me. Hang on, hang on. Frank, I'll pick on David. All right, since we have the same name, it works out. So if I start to do something that I say is a good thing and you need to do it, and if David doesn't do it, well then, I'm better than you, man, right? You start to judge others because they aren't following what you're following. <laughs> you start to boast about how good you are. You start to talk about the things that you have accomplished. But you see, the message of the gospel is this. It's that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. There was no hope for you. You could never earn your way to God. And so what you're doing is you're saying to God, in effect, thanks for sending your son and having him die for me. But really, I could have done this on my own. I don't really need you. And lastly, is this. You see, once you start trying to earn your way to God, you're going to start to realize that there are a lot of things in your life that you're going to need to do to make that happen. Perfect is a pretty high standard, isn't it? Anyone here perfect? Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not. Right. And you will become a slave to trying to be good. Isn't that a crazy thing? A slave to trying to be good. But God has come and he says, you don't need to be working to try to earn your way into my presence anymore. I will love you because I choose to love you. And that's the message that the gospel brings. And Paul says, look, Galatians, I love you guys, but you cannot add things to the gospel because it is a message from God. And your next villain is that uh, you not need to add even good works to the message. It is a complete message. It's fully from God. So 
begin today, we're in chapter 5, and in, if you have a blue Bible, and it's okay if you don't, but if you have a blue Bible, we're on page 946. Lord Jesus, we just pray that your spirit would work in our lives today and that you would draw us to yourself. So, Paul spends the first couple chapters, he's explaining to the Galatians, he says this, he's like, look, uh, you shouldn't add things to the gospel, because it's a message from God, and uh, and you're, you're going to be a slave again to, to trying to earn your way to God. But, you might say, you might say to yourself, like, uh, well, let's see, like, you're trying to, you're saying to me that uh, I don't have to do good things anymore. Does that really sound like a message from God, by the way? Right, like you don't have to do good things anymore. Right, we're all like, okay, that is that's that's in wrong, right? But Paul takes his time to to explain <laughs> that uh, you have been set free, and this is how he begins this part of the, the message today. He says, "You, my brothers and sisters," he says, "you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom uh, to indulge the flesh." So Paul begins, and he he cries out to us, and he says this. He says to his brothers and his sisters. He says, God calls us. God is inviting us. He is crying out to you, and he says, be free. My whole life, this is my testimony, I worked hard to be a good man. It's like the one thing I wanted was to be good. And when sins crept in, I would try really hard to fix them. I would lead Bible studies and prayer groups, but I was becoming a slave to trying my hardest to being a good person. And despite trying as hard as I could to be a good person, sins would creep into my life, and as try as I might, I could not conquer them. They would beat me. They would have victory in my life. And I was a slave. There was no escape. And outwardly, I was a righteous person, People saw me and they said, there's a good person. But inwardly I knew this, that I was disgusting and vile, that I was the worst kind of person. I was a hypocrite. And God cried out to me and he said this. He said, you are invited. I am calling out to you. Be free. And if you're here this morning and you feel trapped, whether it's trapped to trying so hard to be good and always failing, whether you're beaten down by a sin that you can't have victory over, God cries out to you today and he says, be free. Be free. But freedom is a double-edged sword. That means there's some good things and there's some other things, right? And so, you have been set free. But the question is, what are you going to use your freedom to do? Uh, I see this happen with high school students all the time. They get to be uh, they're about to graduate, right? And then they graduate, and they're like, oh, no. I'm like, the real world, right? What do I do now? Uh, and then you, some of us, we run away from that problem by going to college for a few more years, and then, and then it happens again. No, no, right? Freedom is good, but what are you going to use your freedom for? And this is what Paul encourages us to use our freedom for. He says this. He says, use your freedom to humbly serve one another in love. To serve? Use my freedom to serve someone? But see, it's different 
when you are being forced to do something, right, versus when you are choosing to do something. You can love, right, you can love with a love that knows no boundaries, that has no limits, because that is how God loves us. Out of the infinite love of God, you can love others. You can put their needs and their desires and their demands and their emotions all ahead of yours. And Paul also says this. He's like, look, you have freedom. You have been set free. And you can choose to serve others around you, to love other people around you, or you can choose to serve yourself. And this is what Paul says. He says, if you're choosing to serve yourself, this is what happens. You will bite and devour. Like, in other words, you will, right? And actually, like, eat the people around you. Sometimes, right, it's that eat or be eaten. Because what's going to happen is if you are serving yourself, you are putting yourself first, well then, my <coughs> desires come first. What I want comes first. And if you're going to get in my way, I will bite and devour you. Because I am the person that matters. And what I want is what matters. And Paul says, be careful how you use your freedom. God has given you a gift. Brothers and sisters, God has given you a gift. He has set you free. But we have a choice to make with that freedom. Will we serve God with that freedom? Will we love other people around us? Or will we serve ourselves? I think I've probably skipped like all of those. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think what you said. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Thanks, Tanisha. All right. Well, there you go. I'll do that again. <laughs> you got it. So. <laughs> all right. Your next. Uh, your next villain was number one, one of your number ones on the paper. Uh, is that they have that they have been set free. You have been set free. And what should we use that freedom to do? Serve. We should lovingly serve one another. Yeah. The second, number two, out of, there's one, two, three, four number ones on this paper, so good luck figuring that out. All right, so they, you have been set free, and then you should use that freedom to lovingly serve one another. So Paul goes on, and he, he wants to explain this a little bit more. Because at this point, uh, you might be wondering to yourself, you're like, okay, well, uh, I am set free. God has set me free. What am I using that freedom for, right? Am I using it to serve myself, or am I using it to serve and to love others? So Paul begins uh, this discussion on walking in the Spirit. And he provides us with a little checklist, a little list of things. And he says, look, if you are walking in the flesh, right, or uh, said another way, if you are walking to serve yourself, uh, this is what it will look like. And he provides quite a long list. And I'm going to paraphrase it like this. He says, if you are walking to serve yourself, these are some of the things you might notice in your life. You might see that you have sex outside of marriage. Uh, you might see adultery, where you're unfaithful to your spouse. You might just be doing bad things, right? Just doing whatever you want 
whenever you want, because it's what you want, and that's all that matters. You might be loving other things more than God. Paul then says, you might see witchcraft in your life. Thanks. Where you're seeking power from something besides God. You might be hating a certain person or a certain group of people. You might not be getting along with someone because of differences. You might be forming your own special groups that are elite and exclusive, and you know what? You can't be part of it. You might be wanting what other people have and not trusting that what you do have is safe. You might have uncontrollable anger, fits of rage, is what the Bible says. You might be drunk. You might have wild parties. There are definitely things in that list that kind of hurt me, because I identify with them. Those are the things that I struggle with. Uh, there are some that I don't identify with. But just in case, uh, none of those things in that whole list were things that you were like, oh, I don't do any of those. Paul says, and the like, and anything like this, right? Anything like this. And Paul, he ends with a warning. He says this, he says, look, these are the works of the flesh. So your next feeling is, um, oh, I'm doing it again, but we should walk by the Spirit. And the works of the flesh are a product of who you are. So we should walk by the Spirit, and the works of the, of the flesh are a product, or it is coming out of who you are. It's what you do. And Paul says this. He says, look, if you live like this, he doesn't say that these are things that are hard for you or that you struggle with. He says if this is how you are choosing to live your life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven. We are reminded that the king demands of us not just our actions, so not just what we see on the outside. Remember my testimony is this, is that on the outside, people might have looked at me and said, oh, that guy looks pretty good. But on the inside, I knew that my heart was wicked. And you see, the king demands not just our actions, but our hearts as well. The standards for being part of God's kingdom are extremely high, impossibly high. He says, be perfect as I am perfect. There was no way that we could ever be part of that kingdom. But God sent his son for us. He sent his son Jesus in love and in mercy. And he made a way where there was no way. Jesus died in our place. And we have a king like no other king. The son of God, he leads us to victory where no other king could have had victory. There is a great enemy, right? The enemy of sin and of death. And as good as a king might be, there was no king that could face death and lead us through that. But Jesus has done that. Jesus Christ, he has faced for us. He has faced death for us. And he died. But he leads us to victory because he rose again. And so because we have such a great king, you see, how many kings are there of the kingdom? There's one king. And when you choose, or when I choose, to serve myself with my life, when I put what I want first ahead of what others of what others want, I am making myself king of my own life. 
And Paul says this. He says, if you do that, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot be part of the kingdom of God if you choose to serve yourself and to make yourself the king of your life. One day, you will stand before the one true king and he will say no. He will say no. There is only one king. You rejected me. So Paul goes on and he says, okay, well, that, that list of hard things, right? Sexual immorality, adultery, jealousy, envy, anger, drunkenness, right? That list of all those things, that is what is a product that comes out of us. But there is another way, Paul says. So you have been set free, but there is another option for you. There's another option, and it's called this. It's called walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. We'll talk a little bit about walking in a minute. I like to go for walks. I like to get outside. I walk to school every day. Um, And I walked to school the other day, and it was raining really hard. It was was a mess. But I still enjoy walking. But Paul offers us something else, and he says this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And there's no law against doing any of these things. So notice this, though. He doesn't say that, he says this, he says the works of the flesh, or the works of who you are, right, are all these bad things. And then he doesn't go on to say, and the works of if you try really hard, or if you pray every day, or if you read the Bible really good every day, or you try to memorize scripture every day, that these good things will come out of you. No, it says this. It says, the fruit of who? Spirit. The Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So imagine for like a tree for a second. Okay? These are, right, that's where fruit comes from. So if you have an apple tree, you expect apples, right? And so this fruit is not the fruit of David working really hard. It's not the fruit of me trying my hardest to be a good man. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit of God being displayed through me. How many fruits are there? What does it say? Does it say the fruits of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit. So look, if you look at this list, of all these wonderful good things, right? Like love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, right? Uh, can I show Hanari? <coughs> I don't know. Sorry, I'm on you. Um, can I show him love without showing him kindness? Does that make sense? No. See, the fruit of the spirit is not lots of different fruits. This is not another checklist, all right? So the list before of all those bad things. It's kind of like a checklist for us. Like, ooh, yep, that's me, right? Ooh, sexual immorality, ooh, jealousy, sometimes I'm jealous, sometimes I'm envious, sometimes I'm angry, right? That's a checklist where it's like, okay, you know what? That's a product of who I am. But this list isn't another checklist to see like, well, if you see these things in your life, then you're good to go. No, this is a list of the fruit of the spirit. This is a list of the character of God that will be coming through you. This is not you. This is God's character that's going to come through you. So 
So the fruit of the Spirit is a product not of who you are, but of who God is. It's not a product of us. It's not what we are doing, but it is God working through us. <coughs> the fruit of the Spirit is something that comes from God. It's not the fruit of your hard work. It's not the result of your effort. You're never going to produce these things. But God will cause His fruit to grow through you. The fruit of the Spirit is not your like hidden talents. It's not your good traits that just needed some cleaning up because I was a little rough around the edges. The fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is the very character of God shining through your life. We sang today about how I have been set free. We have been set free. And we can trust that we have a good God this morning that will shine His light through us. A few weeks ago at Bible study, uh, we were talking about this passage, and someone shared with us this story. I'm just going to abbreviate it. But it went like this. She knew that there was someone in her life that she needed to forgive. But she didn't want to forgive them. Make sense? Anyone ever feel that way? And kept resisting and kept resisting, knowing that we needed to forgive someone, right? But then, God did a work, right? God does a work that changes your heart. It changes who you are. And she felt compelled to drive to that person's house and make things right, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit isn't, oh, me just deciding one day that I'm good and I can do this. It's God working through you. Earlier in Galatians it says this. It says, I am crucified with Christ. It's as if I have died. It's as if I have died. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to walk in the Spirit. So let's just think about walking for a minute. We've all probably walked before, right? I'm assuming we walked in the door. Okay. Uh, so when you are walking, if you're going for a walk with someone, there's a couple of things that immediately come to mind. One, you are going somewhere, right? So you're going somewhere, and are you going alone? No, you're walking with someone, so you are going somewhere together, right? I don't think the government should change the clock times anymore. We're all in those cities. <laughs> So, when you are walking somewhere, you have a goal, and you have a friend. Recently, I went for a walk with my family, and uh, I needed to stop and talk to someone for just a quick minute, right? And so I turned, and I was talking with them, and they were walking on, and I knew the plan, by the way. I knew where we were going. Uh, and so I turned around, and they like walked on, and I don't see them anymore, but I know that we are going left. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm feeling kind of energetic, so I'll just run and catch up with them. And I ran for like five minutes. And then I ran around the block. And I still didn't find them, right? And it turned out, I thought we were going left. Everyone else went right. <laughs> and we weren't walking together anymore, were we? No. And we weren't heading towards the same goal any longer. And in fact, I was about to start running even farther because I was so decided in my mind that we were definitely going that way, 
I was like, they must just be over that next hill. Right? So at that moment, my brother-in-law runs up to me out of the woods. I was like, where did you come from? <laughs> like this little miracle. And he was like, oh, so we decided to go right. Right? You know, that's how it is though, isn't it? You see, when you are walking with someone and you're going somewhere together, you've got the same goal, right? But as soon as one of you decides, I'm going to go this way, right? You are no longer headed in the same way. And I found myself all alone. So what to do? What to do? It's easy to lose sight of the goal. It's easy to start serving yourself because, hey, frankly, I think I matter, right? <laughs> it's easy to begin the day with these little lies. We have a baby in the house. I don't know how that happened. Um, <laughs> where's Henry? I was sleeping. Uh, and, uh, and I love him, okay? But sometimes I'm a little tired than, than normal. And some days I wake up and my first thought is, man, I am tired. <laughs> And I just want some alone time, right? Nothing wrong with those things. But then I start to serve myself, don't I? If that's my mentality for the rest of the day, I start to think about myself and how I deserve some rest, right? Am I helping Katie then today? Not, not the way I should be anyways, right? Uh, and you know, anyone that gets in the way of me and getting some alone time, I'm kind of annoyed with, right? And that's how serving yourself can sneak into your day. It's not typically going to be something big, like you wake up one morning and you're like, man, should I rob that bank or not? It's going to be those little things. And they're going to take you like this. You were walking in the spirit, and now suddenly, you're going to look back at the end of the day, and you're going to realize, I'm walking alone. So, what could we do now, what can we do this week, right, to maybe do something slightly different so that, that we don't have that happen, right? So here's your last thing. What to do starting now? Stop twice a day and remember God. An easy way to do it would be to do it with your meals. Lots of us sometimes we pray before we eat. Make that intentional. Before you do something, stop and take two minutes and in silence just remember that God is here, that God loves you, that God died for you, that God lives for you, that he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you, right? These are the things that we need to remind ourselves of because so easily these little things sneak in and all of a sudden, right, you're walking alone. And if you're feeling ambitious, you can also, next week, right, we're going to keep going in Galatians, so you can re read Galatians 6, 1 through 10. It's like a paragraph. It's not very long. So stop twice a day. Remember God. Remember what He has done. Just for two minutes. You can set a little timer on your uh, watch. Not a watch. And... And maybe, if you have time, read Galatians 6, 1 through 10, or you can listen to it. So these are some things that we can take with us this week as we think about what it means to walk in the Spirit. Let's uh, just, uh, actually, at this time, maybe...